Hello, what's up everyone? Um, if you guys hear some buzzing in the background, especially later on when I turn the music off, that's because of the electric fans in the background, which I cannot turn off for the life of me or else I will melt to death in this room in the hot summer heat. Anyway, welcome to episode 1 of Creative Kingdom where we talk about what it's like to be a creator for the creator or you know the other one liner I was going for was where we talk about what it's like to be a creative in the kingdom which is cool because it's like the title. But then, you know, we'll figure that out later on. It's still episode 1. Thank you for tuning in. I do not know how to do podcasts yet very well. Um but it's it's cool to be a beginner at something again. Um I am not an expert at talking for a long time and not very edited. I usually just, you know, I say something and then I say that sentence again and then I say it again and make a mistake and then, you know, I can just cut it all up and then make a whole video out of it. So, yeah, Jake the dog said sucking at something is the first step to being sort of good at something and I'm sure, you know, one one year later I will be looking back at this podcast and like, "Nate, <laughs> How can you make something so cringy? Hey, future Nate, what's going on? Sucking at something's the first step to being sort of good at something. Today, I am going to be interviewing myself. <laughs> uh, I wish we had more people on the show. I wish, you know, me as the host of Creative Kingdom, I could be with somebody today. But then I thought it would also be fitting for the first episode to be about its um, host or founder. Founder? Just the official sounding. But yeah, since Creative Kingdom is a podcast on the creative process, we will be talking a little bit about my creative process today and then in future podcasts the creative process of lots of other, you know, creators out there. So sit back, relax and I hope you guys enjoy the first episode of Creative Kingdom. I am your host Nate Punzalan and I am also the interviewee Nate Punzalan. Follow me at Nate Punzalan 6. Yeah, enjoy. If by any chance you are a random listener who previously did not know who I am and then just I don't know stumbled upon my podcast by chance, thank you. I <laughs> didn't expect you to be here. What a pleasant surprise. Um I expect, you know, most of you guys to come in through uh Twitter, Instagram or my YouTube channel or, you know, are just my mom. Hi mom. <laughs> I'm Nate. Uh, I'm a social media influencer. Um, I make videos on YouTube. My channel is Nate Punzalan, which is, you know, my full name. Um, what do I do? I make vlogs. I make inspirational, motivational videos. I enjoy, you know, um, filmmaking and storytelling through video. I started in January of 2017. Um, my sister is a much bigger, you know, YouTube influencer than I am and she inspired me. So, I started making stuff and I enjoyed it. Now, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to talk about my whole creative process today from pre-production to production to post-production to publishing. Then I'm going to answer some of the most asked questions about my workflow. So, if you tweeted me a question on Twitter to um at @nikmunzalensix Thank you. I'll answer it later in the podcast, which I am targeting to be 15 to 20 minutes long, maybe a bit longer. I don't know, is that a good length? I don't know. I don't know. Give me feedback if you guys have suggestions. I am 
super open to feedback. Um, episode one starts now. And so when it comes to pre-production, you know, it it really boils down to thinking about what the video is actually going to be like so that when I whip out the camera, um, it's like less hassle for me to have to think of the shot before I shoot it because I already know what it is. And, you know, I, I get ideas through watching other YouTube videos. Actually, you know, I spend um, maybe two to three hours a day watching lots of other YouTube videos. A lot of that is like unnecessary quote-unquote research, right? But then I do get a lot of ideas from watching lots of other creators, especially the smaller creators, the ones that are going to have new and fresh ideas. Um, I, I love watching those guys. I get ideas from family. I get ideas from friends. You know, we're walking around um, in the mall or having dinner. And then, I don't know, somebody just hey, Nate, you should do this in a vlog or this should be a vlog idea. And then and then I write it down. Um, and when it comes to vlogging, you know, vlogging is not something that you write. It's um, something that kind of happens spontaneously. Well, a lot more spontaneously than a film. Um, and what I do is I look at the schedule for the week or the schedule for the days ahead. And then I look for um, what is the day that will make a good story or what day will have the most events happening or will have the most exciting event happening and that's probably going to be uh, my vlog i need to remember that i always have to be on the lookout and that you know um, whenever an idea comes by i have to write it down so i keep a notebook um, well that used to be a physical notebook now it's really just a notes app on my phone um, and I have a list of all the video concepts that I want to make. Um, some of them are vlogs, but since vlogs are super spontaneous, it's more, um, you know, like sitting down, talking to the camera videos, where are things that I can talk about or where are places that I can go, um, like travel vlog ideas or something like that. And I used to have a list not only of video concepts, but for video techniques as well. So... If I had a certain transition, you guys know the whip pan transition or the swish pan transition where it looks like you're in, you know, you're in one place and then you rapidly move the camera to the side and you pan it. And then when it's done panning, whoa, it's you and you're in another place, you know, um, those things are planned for and you need to plan for these transitions. You need to plan for these different techniques. Um, and I have those written down as well so that, you know, if I want to try something new, I want to try a new hmm, technique that will add a little wow factor to my storytelling. Then I know to, pre to prepare for it. Vlogs are, yes, generally spontaneous, more spontaneous than the average uh, video. But it does take a bit of planning as well. So I like to think of what is going to be the story mountain in a vlog or a particular... You know, if a vlog spans one day, then... In that day, what is probably going to be the main event of that day? And that's probably what I'm going to make the climax of the video. So a story mountain, um, for those who aren't familiar, is, you know, it just looks like a mountain. You start by going uphill and then you hit a peak and then you go downhill. Um, an introduction, a setup, and then a 
rising action and then a climax and then a falling action and then your denouement or your con conclusion. Or you can just make, you know, what Casey Neistat calls the three-act narrative, um, which is which is just the same thing, like the setup, the climax, and the resolution, I think. That's what I do. So let's say I have a concert coming up um, on a day that I'm vlogging. Um, that's probably going to be the main event of the vlog. And everything that happens in the vlog will have to relate in one way or another um, to the upcoming concert. So if there is a sidetrack and another you know, side story develops, it's going to have to be complementary to the impact of the story as a whole. If it's not, then I'm probably going to remove it. So if we are, you know, getting some pregame, uh, buying some Red Bull in the convenience store before the concert so we can get lit, you know, um, that's a side story and that contributes to the overall story. But then if it's like, oh, I got to do some homework. Um, no, that's probably going to be boring. So that's mainly what my pre-production process looks like. Um, I don't do any storyboarding, no script writing things that you know f they teach in film school well i do outlining um when it's a talking heads video or a talking to the camera video like where i sit down in my chair in my room and i really just talk to the camera about a particular topic usually i have an outline so that uh, what i say is already planned out um, and that's also what i did for this podcast so next on the outline production how does my production process work the first thing that i do is i pray I trust that God is the one who makes all things go well for me in whatever I do. And I trust him for uh, things like vlogging or things like making videos as well. And when it comes to my rig, well, we'll talk about my gear in specifics later during the Q&A. But I make sure that my camera rig is as unobtrusive as possible. Um, I don't like camera rigs that require a lot of setup i want a camera that you can just turn on and hit record and go you know um, if i used a gimbal then i'd have to turn on the camera and then i'd have to turn on the gimbal you know if i used a microphone um, that you have to turn on then i'd have to check if that was on um, that's why i got a microphone that doesn't require a battery of its own and doesn't have an on switch as well i think um you get lower sound quality with it but you know generally it's much better quality than the onboard microphone so i'm happy with that i i just want a process where i turn on the camera i hit record and in two seconds you know i'm shooting whatever i urgently needed to shoot at that time you know if there's a train passing by you can't ask the train to pause you know and wait for 20 seconds while you set up everything so that's me personally. Um, the most obtrusive thing that I have is my drone. Um, I got it recently and I felt that, you know, I would be traveling a lot more this year and that drone shots would be super helpful in capturing what the place that I'm in looks like from a bird's eye view. But even that, you know, is a, is a cheap drone that is foldable. So all you need to do is unfold it and then you're ready to go. So I purposely, you know, even if I did have the money, maybe I would choose still to get the cheaper um, options because usually it's the cheaper options that are the least obtrusive. And I don't even mind using my phone. Like I released a vlog recently where I went to a Laney concert 
and in this concert you know i had to put my big camera rig in my bag because i think you know it might get confiscated by the guard or something like that so i used my phone to record while in the concert hall and it was not a problem at all actually i liked using my phone i wish my phone had uh, better camera quality but then you know it added to the effect because everybody uses their phones to record concerts and it, it was kind of like um, that nostalgic uh, amateur effect and I mean that in a good way uh, <laughs> and then I just added like a camcorder effect on top of that low quality footage so it looked really nostalgic and hipster <laughs> what matters for me is that I tell the story so the gear is really just there to tell the story uh, more than to make really beautiful cinematic shots I think that the story is you know if you have a killer story then you know people wouldn't really mind the other aspects of the production if you have an amazing production but a very crappy story then people are gonna click out faster than you think so but then even more actually than telling the story i learned this recently is to communicate the message so i have vlogs where there's really not a very good linear story i mean it's so spontaneous how can you always guarantee a really good linear story right what's important is that you communicate a message so a backup plan for vlogs that don't have a good story is that i make the vlog action a lot shorter uh, than it usually should be so from eight minutes i trim it down maybe to five minutes and then for the rest of the three minutes i do a talking to the camera segment where i talk about something important something inspirational that relates to something that happened that day so i'm still communicating a message and the goal here is to provide value um, for the viewer and i think messages like that really do that pretty well when it comes to technical stuff you know shot types are divided into three i usually have b-roll shots and then i have selfie shots then i have point of view shots so b-roll shots when I'm recording B-roll and I'm planning for a very short B-roll sequence, like a pam, 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 uh, it's really just five shots, you know. But then I also have times where I uh, seek 10 shots or 20 shots. So I have, you know, my lens with me, which is a zoom lens, so I can shoot wide or I can shoot really narrow. And then I do close-ups on stuff or I do wide shots of the street. And I just capture interesting things with a subject in it or with motion in it. Um, 20 different things, you know, and then that will usually provide me with a long B-roll sequence that, you know, I can do lots of things with because I have a lot of footage. Something that will be like, uh, how, how do you illustrate it using just your voice? Bam, 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 bam. And then it, you, you cut to the beat, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then I also have the selfie shots, um, which are usually like the normal vlogging shots where I explain where we are and what we're doing. And then I have point of view shots, which I find really interesting because they give the viewer a sense of, hey, I'm here, you know, especially while you're using a wide lens because, you know, you get you get the same field of vision as the actual guy in the vlog. If any of you guys are curious, I shoot on S-Log, which is a very flat picture profile s-log2 to be exact um, it's basically a way to get more dynamic range out of your footage it's gonna look flat at first it's gonna look like you know there's so little contrast or saturation but then 
what it really does is allows for more freedom when you're color grading. And there, I just shoot until I finish the story. If the story's over, then why keep the camera running? Um, if I am done with a concert and then I did like a post-concert dinner and dessert, why extend it to the trip home, you know, when I'm done? So that's really, you know, my way of balancing shooting and being present in the moment. That's one of the philosophical issues that vlogging has brought up. Uh, how present are you in your real life, actually, you know? Um, for me now, vlogging is just focus on the story. If it's not part of the story, then you don't have to put it on the vlog. You don't have to record it. Um, and then the other thing I do to balance shooting and being present is to think about others. So have respect for people. Um, and when I have respect for people, I think about, you know, what would they feel if there was a dude with the camera shooting himself or shooting you um, during this moment? So if it's a birthday song, what would that person, what would the celebrant think? If it's an intimate uh, conversation, what would that person think? If it's a concert, what would that person think? And that really helps me, you know, when I put myself in the shoes of that person. Let's talk about post-production. So I do my post-production on Final Cut, um, my editing, I mean, and it goes through this process, which I learned from no one. I really just did it myself. And if it's wrong, then it's wrong. But then I import my footage first, and then I make a rough cut, and then I color grade. Um, I know you're supposed to do that last, I think, but I do it because I'm excited because the footage comes in flat because I, I shoot an S-log, right? So I like to color grade as soon as I can because I'm really excited to see what the color will look like. Um, and then I put my music and then I put my inserts. So if I have a video insert, photo insert, or text, uh, I put that pretty much last after the music and color. And then I export my footage. So some people like to sort their footage um, when they get it into... I don't know, they have different methods. Like Some people put their B-roll in one folder and then or they name it... A particular thing um, I don't really do that I do that usually during production by deleting footage that I don't need right then and there so if I shoot something that um, I realize later on wait a minute I don't think I'm really gonna use this in, in the video when I edit later on I delete it right then and there um, and that helps me get rid of unnecessary stuff and it saves so much time for me when I'm actually editing which is you know it's one of the advantages of being both the uh, DOP, director of photography, and the um, editor, you know, in my whole production company, one-man production company. Um, yeah, I, I know. So I, I don't have to tell the person, hey, you know, I, I deleted this because I don't think we need it in the editing. No, I am the person. I also use separate SD cards to sort my footage sometimes. Um, if there's a day one of a vlog, and then a day two, and I don't want those two to get mixed up. I use a separate SD card. Um, and I also shoot all my B-roll. I try to shoot all my B-roll in the same moment in time or in the same like hour. Uh, that way, 
when you import your footage, all the B-roll is like next to each other. Like the files are right beside each other. So it's not hard to look for the rest of your B-roll footage. Yeah, I import everything into its own event and then I make a project and make a rough cut. And then I use LUTs for color grading. Uh, I just download these lookup tables. That's, that's what they're called. Um, and then I just drag and drop them onto the footage. And then I get a color board and I make the image warmer or softer. I highlight either the reds or the yellow tones. Sometimes uh, I put a little vignette. I increase the contrast. Um, I use a little bit of teal and orange filter because that's that makes for a very filmic look. Um, I experiment, you know. Uh, the last maybe 10 videos, um, I have been using quite a faded look where I bring up the shadows, but I bring down the mids. So the, the blacks are very crushed, which is like a 2005 um, photography trend, the crushed blacks, the fade. When, when you use fade on Visco and you turn it all the way up, that's kind of what I tried to achieve. But then now uh, I got over it. So I'm going back to a more contrasty look. Um, which you will see in the video that I used to announce this podcast. When it comes to music, I have a subscription with Epidemic Sound, uh, which is an amazing music company that has, I think, over 27,000 music tracks um, that, you know, if you pay a certain amount a month, they'll let you use all of the music on their website for free on YouTube um, at full length without, you know, getting a copyright strike or anything. So that's been very helpful. Sometimes I use, um, and this is what I used to do before because it was free. I just Google non-copyright music or, you know, search on YouTube non-copyright music. Most of what comes up for vlogs and videos is trap music or um, chill hop music, which um, is a little too mainstream <laughs> for, for my taste. or. I'm, I'm over it, you know what I mean? Um, sometimes I just use like copyrighted music, but then for only 27 seconds or less, that's the 27 second rule. If you go over that, then the algorithm will catch you and you uh, might get a copyright strike from that or you can't monetize your video. But yeah, uh, I use, let's say I wanna use a popular song uh, like God's Plan. Uh, I can use that for 27 seconds or less on my video. I've been experimenting with fonts lately. Uh, you will see on, you know, if you check out youtube.com slash my thumbnails have all these different fonts on them. But uh, I don't know. I, one day I just find a new font and I'm like, okay, I want to use this one instead. And then like three months later, I change font again. I'm sorry I'm so inconsistent, but I go with what looks nice to me. So that's my process. I import footage, then I make a rough cut. Um, which is basically getting the footage and then um, just everything that I want to be on the video. I kind of trim it, but not exactly. And then I put it on the video and then I color everything. And then usually at that point, I trim the rough cut to what would be the final cut. And then I put the musics in and then I put the inserts and the texts. And then uh, I export the file. Publishing is really simple. Um, I just go on YouTube, I have an account, and then I upload the thing there. I put my description, I put my thumbnail, which is usually just a screen cap from the video itself. And then 
uh, with a little extra text over it. My YouTube account is linked to my Twitter account, so when I publish something on YouTube, automatically, you know, it it's uploaded as a tweet also. So people who follow me on Twitter will know that I uploaded a new video. Sometimes I upload and promote on Instagram and even less frequently on Facebook. I know that since I'm in the Philippines, I should be doing that on Facebook more. I'm sorry, okay? Um, I just get really lazy sometimes because making a video is a lot of work, you know? And once you've uploaded it to YouTube, you feel like the work is done. Um, yeah, I, I guess that's something I can improve on because uh, Facebook gets three times as more hits in the Philippines as YouTube, although YouTube is still the second most visited website, social media site. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward, but then I have an, in, uh, an idea for Instagram. I want to make a catalog using the Instagram, you know, the feature where you put your Instagram stories onto your Instagram profile and they're pinned there forever. Yeah, I kind of want to make a catalog of like where I can put vlogs and then another one for my talking videos and then another one for like my podcast and then all with a swipe up option. If you guys get my drift, um, just an easy way to access all of my content from my Instagram page. Yeah, that's publication. Pretty, pretty straightforward. If you are still here, congratulations and thank you very much for the support. You have made it to the Q&A portion where I will be answering most of, you know, the frequently asked questions about my gear and stuff. So first off, my gear. Uh, I use a Sony a6300, which is a very nice camera. Not quite top of the line, but it's, you know, I'm very thankful for it. It has all the features that I would ever need. Um, and I use the kit lens with it, which is a 16 to 50 millimeter, uh, I think 3.5 aperture. Um, sometimes I use my f1.8 50 mil, which is more of a portrait lens, uh, at least the way that I use it. But then I also use it for B-roll because uh, it makes really nice bokeh or bokeh. I don't know how you pronounce that. Um, I use my Joby Gorilla Pod. I use a Rode Video Micro for my mic. Uh, I have a DJI Mavic Air. And I think that's pretty much it, you know. Um, I have my 15-inch MacBook for editing. But then, you know, right now I'm using a Samsung Go mic for my podcast. But I don't use that for my videos. But I think I might start using it for voiceovers because I think the audio quality is pretty good. Hello, testing. Hello, is this ASMR? Do you feel the tingles? <laughs> um, will your girlfriend have a vlog of her own? Pauline is an amazing person. She is a little camera shy and I find her really cute. When <laughs> uh, but then... Um, yeah, I don't think we have plans right now. I think she'll be on my vlog quite often. I think, you know, we, we have a girlfriend tag actually coming out uh, next week. We just shot it yesterday. So expect her more on my channel. For her to have her own channel, um, let's pray. <laughs> Renz uh, tweeted me, how do you manage to study at the same time? And at the same time, have fun with friends and family. In addition, you travel too. Um, so I'm not in school anymore. But when I was in school, I used this technique called time, time boxing or time blocking. That's why I mix it up. Sometimes I say time boxing. <laughs> um, 
basically, you know, if you know your Google Calendar, uh, where you can actually mark on your calendar specific times in the day when an event begins and ends, uh, I just do that for my day and I be strict with it. So, um, strictly when I get home from school from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m., do homework, just do homework. But then I also have a block for, for rest. So that way, I know that when I'm done with homework, I have a 30-minute block, block where I can do whatever I want. Uh, and then after that, a block where I do a paper or a project or something. Uh, it really helps because you know that you have full control over your time and you, you won't procrastinate. The only time when things go wrong is when you know you are not strict with yourself and you don't obey your own time blocks, time boxes. Um, Kenna Eloria says asks how often do you do devotionals uh, that's every day for me um, if you're asking about like devotionals that are not the bible that people wrote based on the bible um, every now and then i stum stumble upon a good one but then i usually just straight out read the bible uh, to each his own i'm not saying one is better than the other um, there's a lot of insights to be gained from devotionals written by other people but kanagtataglish ngayon sa mga videos mo. Huh? I'm actually making a a conscious effort to speak more Filipino in my vlogs. Um, I'm sorry, it it's not really my fault, you know. But I'm trying now, um, to speak more Tagalog, uh, especially on YouTube. Although this podcast, I'm trying to gear it more toward an international audience, so I'm speaking mostly English. Let's see. <laughs> Where that takes us, alam ko sa ngayon, a lot of you guys listening, Pinoy kayo. So, hello! Charlie's asks, what happens if you run out of content? How do you resolve that? If I run out of ideas, I just stop. Um, I take a break. It basically means that either I've burned out or I'm tired uh, or my cre creative juices have run out. And you gotta give yourself space. You gotta give yourself time. And if it's time for a break, then it's time for a break. You know, you'll notice there are weeks where I only post once in that week. There are weeks where I don't post at all. And then there are weeks where I'm at my normal schedule of two to three videos a week. So um, it, your creative juices are limited. And as much as you pray, as much as you research, sometimes you get tired and that's completely normal. Devo asks, what is your pregame for work? Um... Well, I mentioned a while ago that I pray before I work, but then when it comes to like sitting down on my desk here at home and editing, what I do before that, if not watch Gatiskandis YouTube videos, and check him out by the way, G-A-T-I-S-K-A-N-D-I-S, Gatiskandis, he's, he's so funny, he's my favorite now. Um, if it's not watching his YouTube videos, it's probably taking a shower or uh, watching a Dota video <laughs> yes i am one of those people i am sorry and since we're at 30 minutes i will answer one last question angeli asks if tomorrow would be the end of the world and you're the only one who is aware what would you do that's very tricky um if i told everybody i don't know who would believe me but i would um tell everybody who i think would believe me um and tell them why i'm sure and then I'd go out and preach the gospel to everyone. I really think that 
you know, um, that's the good news. It's not a threat that, you know, it's not something to scare people with that, oh, you're going to go to hell. But it's good news that, hey, the world is ending and the new world is coming. Like the more beautiful, like our true home, the world we were really made for, where everything is beautiful. God's going to wipe all our tears away. You know, it's something to be happy about. And if you switch your mindset um, from looking at the apocalypse as something scary to um, really just something that needs to happen before our true home uh, is finally here, then, yeah, you get excited for it. And I want other people to be excited for it as well. And that's what I'm going to be telling everybody. Yep, uh, through Christ alone. If you made it to the very end, congratulations and thank you. You are here at the very end. I really, really, really appreciate the support. Of course, a podcast episode is not complete without some call to action. So tweet me at NatePunzalan6 and let me know what else you want to hear on this podcast. People that you would like to hear interviewed, etc. You already know what a sample episode is like. Just imagine it with another person on it so it will be less boring. (laughs) I hope I didn't bore you guys to death here. Um, But episode one is really just an opportunity to make an episode two. I'll end the episode here. Thank you very much for listening. Keep creating and I will talk to you guys soon. Peace.